Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. I brought a picture today of a family member. Some of you, it might be your first introduction. Uh, for some of you, you've heard stories about this infamous member of our family. But this is Waylon. Uh, he's about 60 to 70 pounds, depending on how lazy he's being. But uh, he, he's a people-loving dog. If you would come over, he would love all over you by, like, jumping up on you, you know. Uh, but he's easy going uh, most of the time. I mean, he's a dog all the time, but he's easy going most of the time. Uh, see, he's... He's got some superpowers. Now, I know we all think our pets are, like, the most special everywhere, and I'm probably, you know, I'm in that. But he he has some special powers. Would you believe that this animal, as cute and innocent as he may look in this still photo, he can extract enough stench from just one skunk to cover himself, a house, and at least one car? Like, that's a power, right? That is amazing. And that superpower has had us more than well-known at Kids Harbor and church and work and other places. Uh, but a superpower. Uh, perhaps he, he's got some other stuff he can do. I mean, he, a little bit more practical than that is that he can predict the weather. Now, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, right. Like, you, you've been in the Kool-Aid too much. But he can predict weather. Just the other week, well, let me back up. He can predict the weather, and I say that he can predict a thunderstorm. Because this otherwise fearless animal is terrified of a thunderstorm. So at the first distant, far rumbling of thunder, he's out. The blowing wind picks up, the skies get dark, he's done. I mean, he's pressing against the door because he's figured out that sometimes it won't latch, and if he presses on it with his shoulder, it'll open and he can go hide. So that's what commences when he hears thunder and sees the changing conditions. Just the other week, uh, it was in the middle of the night, and so that's kind of an unfortunate side effect as this superpower also works at night. Uh, But just the other week, in the middle of the night, I was awakened to the sound of his falling down the steps in a flurry of panic. Like, he had gone up to the next level of the house there uh, above our master bedroom looking for a place to hide, I guess. But he had gone up there, and what awoke me was his stumbling back down. And so he's whining, he's panting, he's pacing the floor, and I'm like, go to sleep, you stupid dog, you're fine. And I'm sorry, but my compassion and empathy for interruptions ends somewhere around 8.45, just saying. So there's this dog, and he's panicking. And I remember thinking, why the fear? Why the fear? I mean, he's inside. We're here, like all of his family. He's fine. All he has to do is just lay down beside the bed, and he's fine. Why is he so afraid? It doesn't make any sense to me in that moment. Now, I understand we're not dogs and our fear might not be thunderstorms today in this room. 
But in reflecting on his uh, affinity, if you will, of predicting the weather and his fear, I've been getting to wonder how often the Lord asks us that same question. Why the fear? He might even say, I'm, I'm right here. Why don't you trust me? Today, as, as we unpack this final question from Jesus, we're going to wrestle with that very thing. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? So with that, I, I welcome you back to the conclusion of our teaching series called Questions Jesus Asked. And throughout this series, we've wrestled with some pretty hard questions, haven't we? Searching, penetrating questions from Jesus' life and ministry as recorded in the Gospels. We, we've wrestled with questions of his identity, with questions of our obedience, questions of what we're looking to in the world even for our healing. And, and Jesus uses questions in his teaching, in his interactions to pull people into the story, to pull people into the movement that he is taking. And we see that Jesus asked questions not because he needed the answer, but because we needed to think of the answer. He was asking those questions to pull us in, to make us evaluate what might be going on behind the scenes deep within our hearts. He wanted us to see things about ourselves we may have never considered before. Our question today is another one of those questions that goes deep that goes behind the scenes, if you will, of what's going on in our hearts and in our lives. He wants us to evaluate those places. So if you have your copy of Scripture today, turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to pick up in chapter 4. Uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. It says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Then leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also a few other boats with him. A furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. It says the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet! Be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41 says, they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So imagine with me this morning that Jesus approaches you quietly. He slips in and he takes the seat beside you. Initially, no words are spoken. Maybe it even feels a little tension of an awkward silence, but Jesus sits down beside you. No words exchanged. Maybe that moment you're hesitant. Maybe seeing Jesus beside you and imagining that makes you wonder, what's he thinking? Is he disappointed in me? Is he about to shame me because of that fear that's been in my heart? He's not, friends. He's not. That's not why he approaches you. 
After a moment, Jesus looks deep into your eyes and he breaks that silence. He breaks that tension with this question, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Does your heart skip a beat in that moment? Like when you put yourself there in the presence of Jesus, you sense him looking deep into your heart. Does your heart skip a beat? Why are you so afraid? Perhaps you thought that fear that was gripping your heart, that was crippling your life, that nobody else knew. That that was just something you were working through privately. Maybe it was fear of the future, or maybe it's fear of failure, or fear of being rejected, or fear of loss. Maybe it's fear of discomfort or pain. Maybe it's an ongoing fear that you're going to end up dependent on others. Maybe it's even a fear of death. But you thought, you felt like that burden was yours all alone to bear that nobody else knew. But it's that space today that Jesus sets down and when he looks in your eyes, that's the zone of your life. That's the area of your heart that he's stepping into and saying, why? Why are you so afraid? are you so afraid? You know, it's interesting here that Jesus doesn't ask, what are you so afraid of? Like, that's our question a lot, right? You look at the dogs, like, what are you so afraid of? No, no, no. Jesus says, why? Because there's no healing in Jesus asking you, what are you afraid of? Because we can probably identify that, right? Like, we can probably point to that thing of what it is, but he asks a different question. He asks a question that goes behind the what, and he says, why are you so afraid? What's going on in your heart that you begin to doubt me? Why are you so afraid? Those are the things he wants us to consider today, friends. What's behind our fear and our doubt? The reality is... Jesus asking this question, he already knows why you're afraid. But do you? That's what he wants us to wrestle with today. Let's pray together. Lord, you step into those places of our lives, Lord. In the middle of the mess, in the middle of the angst, the fear, God, you approach with an invitation of your grace. Lord, you want us to be free of those things, to trust you. And so, Lord, will you search our hearts today? Lord, move us beyond the what of our fears. And help us to wrestle with the why. Show us today your heart, your burden, that we would be free, that we would trust you. Lord, we want to know your heart today. We want to know your heart. Will you speak to us today, Father? It's in your name we pray. Amen. If we were to rewind just a little bit and get a running start at Mark chapter 4, as you would unpack Mark's gospel, Mark's gospel is is an uh, action-packed gospel. If if you're reading through it sometime, just note how many times things happened immediately. Mark had an affinity for action. And as we would see Jesus' ministry picking up in the early parts of Mark, like it's growing. His popularity is growing. Uh, He's performed many miraculous things. He's performed many healings. And that's a critical detail for us to keep in mind as we step into the boat, if you will, of our passage, that these disciples had witnessed these things. They'd seen the power of Jesus on display. And Jesus is teaching crowds of people with authority and power and clarity that they had never witnessed before. They'd never seen anything like it. 
And Jesus has begun to call his disciples together to extend the invitation to follow him and be a full-time student, if you will, of the way of Jesus. And as we would come into chapter 4, as that opens, that account opens, Jesus is again teaching beside the Sea of Galilee. And the crowds are pressing in. His popularity is growing. So Jesus, needing a little space, have you ever been there? Amen. (laughs) Need a little space. He steps into a boat so he can push offshore. And if you've ever been to a lake and you can uh, uh, witness how you can talk across the lake because water will transmit that sound. That's what Jesus is employing here. And so he steps in the boat and pushes a little bit away to get some distance, and, and his disciples are close by, man, they're hanging on every word, they're even getting a behind-the-scenes treatment, if you will, as Jesus explains and expounds his parables to them. Now, these men that are following him, and women, they have witnessed the power of faith, they've witnessed the transforming uh, act of faith and trust in Jesus in others' lives, they've witnessed it with their own eyes, but the storm that we read about, the storm that's ahead for those disciples this evening was not about someone else's faith. It was about theirs. And so that's where we want to pick up our story in verse 37. It says, a furious squall or a furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, I would imagine a lot of you, maybe this is the scene Like, as you read this passage, this is what's going through your mind. A a storm-tossed vessel and frantic uh, seamen trying to work the oars, the rudder, the sails, and Jesus down in the corner resting peacefully. And so after a long day's teaching, this is where they find themselves. Jesus gave instructions that the disciples would, would hop in the boat and that they would go to the other side. Now, the Sea of Galilee is surrounded by steep mountains, and it's really, it's 600 feet below sea level. So, sudden and strong winds were a common phenomenon. But yet, this, this image, this picture, this scene was no ordinary storm. And it's, it's good for us to remember here that the people who are terrified in our story... Several of them were experienced fishermen. They made a trade at this. So they had been on this lake. They had been through the storms. They had gotten the t-shirt, if you will, because they'd done it. But yet it says they were terrified. They were fearing for their lives. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm on a boat, the last person I want to see panicking would be the captain or the people with experience, right? And so that just gives us this picture of how severe things are happening And so as the waves are coming over the side, the water's filling the boat faster than they can bail. Something is, they are going to go down if something doesn't change. And so they holler at Jesus. Jesus, who's exhausted from the day, is sleeping in the front of the boat. Jesus, we're going to die out here. Don't you even care? I mean, if, if we were to be totally honest, isn't this question easy to imagine in that moment? In the middle of that scene, isn't that question easy to come up with? Maybe today in your storm, that question comes easy for you. Maybe the waves are crashing over, and you're going down if something doesn't happen. And that question comes so quickly and so easily. Jesus, don't you care? 
I mean, it seems like our whole world asks this question all the time, right? Over the last several years of a pandemic, how many times have you heard on the news even, where is God in this? How can a good God allow this to happen? Our world is asking this question, and we are easily brought into that question too. You see, these types of questions can flood into our minds, can flood, yes, into our faith life amidst the storm. Questions like, might sound like, don't you care that I'm sick? Don't, don't you care that I'm going through pain? Or, or where were you when that car crashed? How could you let so-and-so be taken so soon? Why? Don't you care? Don't you see me, Lord? And those questions come, right? But as easily as those questions come, we must hear the warning of this passage and be on alert any time we're tempted to think that God is aloof or that he's distant or that he doesn't care. We must heed that warning. Commentator Robert Coolidge says it this way. He helps us to see behind the curtain. He says, the fear of the storm, the fear of the storm overwhelmed the disciples' commitment to Jesus and their confidence that he did care for them that's what was going on and so in that moment the waves are overwhelming the boat and the fear is overwhelming their commitment to Jesus and yes their belief that he can do something and that he would care that's what's happening in this picture so the problem wasn't that they were afraid of the storm like that's a natural fear that God has given us a protective mechanism if you will But the problem was, is that fear overtook their faith and trust in Jesus. That's what fear always has the tendency to do. And if I was to be honest about my life, like this is why, this idea of fear overtaking faith is why I have to be very careful watching the news. I can't just take in a lot of news because fear starts to grip my heart. Because you'll hear about the conflict over there that's coming here. You're going to hear about the next shortage and the next economic crisis and how everything is going down if something doesn't change. And I can be tempted to fear. You know, you might call your spouse and say, go by Costco and get a couple extra. We got to start making our own preparations for the future. I am so susceptible to that. And that is where my faith is being replaced by fear. I believe in Jesus, but I also believe I need to step in and help him out a little bit. Right? That's how fear rises up in my heart and my life. You know, I might never explicitly say it. Lord, I can't trust you, so I'm going to hit the Walmart. But don't our actions communicate those things? So what would it be in your story today? What's that trigger? If it's the news for me, what's that trigger for you? That you step out and try to grab a hold. You step out and try to control. You might not mention it, but those actions are conveying that we don't trust Jesus. That he's not trustworthy or he's not near, that he doesn't care. What would that be in your story today? You know, many times our response, whether it's verbal or whether it's an action, our our responses in that moment are just like the disciples in that we're almost rebuking Jesus as if he didn't care. And that's what really shows up in the text. That's what Jesus rises up. That's why he turns and asks them a question is because they basically say, you don't even care. Savior of the world, you don't even care. We can find ourselves in that similar position. 
Let's continue in our text today in verse 39. It says, he, Jesus, got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says they were terrified and asked one another, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So what we see in this picture is that the God-man who was so tired just moments ago in his humanity, he steps up and he uh, speaks hush and calm and quiet over the elements of nature. Instantly calm, tranquil even. Can you imagine? I mean, just, just try to take yourself mentally there. It's, it's late in the day. It's probably getting dark. There's winds blowing. The, the waves are coming over the boat. The thunder's rolling. The lightning's crashing. The boat is filling. But yet Jesus speaks one word, and it's instantly calm, tranquil even. What would go through your mind in that moment? And we have to believe, like, these disciples, they're, they're still soaking wet, right? They're still feeling the effects of that adrenaline because that fight or flight that God designed us with, right, that is pouring through their bodies. They're quivering, trying to survive, and yet it's calm in an instant. And they're just staring at Jesus. And it's into those eyes, it's into that place that Jesus looks and asks his question, why are you so afraid? And, and I don't know about you, but I, like, I need to push pause here for a minute. Because I, I can, I, I just want to like, Jesus, what did you expect? What did you expect from them in that moment? Doesn't this question kind of come across as a little, like a quarter degree off, right? Like, what were you expecting? And I, for me, this, this points to our need to really understand in this passage that Jesus was not rebuking their human fear of a storm. He was not rebuking their response to danger. That's not the problem that he was addressing. You see, because our fear of storms, and, and maybe for you it's spiders, maybe for you it's snakes or sharks or whatever it is for you, God programmed us, he designed us as created human beings to have a protective fear. If you're afraid of heights, stay off the ladder, Right? Like, God gave us that. So it's not that that he is rebuking in these moments. But what we need to see is that their fear had overcome their faith, and they began to doubt Jesus. They lost trust in him. So the fear of the storm and death led them to doubt this man they had just seen care for the multitudes and teach the multitudes and heal. They doubted him in that moment of fear. That's why Jesus stands up and asks the question, why? He didn't need to know what. He was wet from the what, right, in the storm. But he asked them why. Why? Pastor and author Jeff Stott says it this way, and this really captured this scene for me. He said, the Lord's rebuke is not about their reaction to the storm, but their reaction to Jesus in the storm. Did you catch the nuance there? Jesus didn't rebuke them about their fear or their reaction to the storm. No, he calls them out about their reaction to him in that moment. That's what Jesus 
needed them to see because he, he knew the reason they were afraid. He, he knew the reason they were rebuking him as if he didn't care was because their fear had replaced their faith. And friends, that's always what fear does to us. Fear is always pressing our faith out. He needed his disciples to pause in that moment, to step aside from the what and to consider the why. And that's what we're doing here today. Consider the why. The story closes with the disciples in what seems to be an awestruck wonder of what just happened. They realized in an instant that they were in the boat with the Lord. And it says they were terrified. So, so rather than being filled with the peace of his presence, they were filled with fear at the thought of who was with them. Jesus did care. He was with them. He was able. And friends... He is in your storm today. He does care about your life today. And he is able. Why are you so afraid? As the band makes their way forward, I want us to circle back one more time. We've unpacked this a little bit, and and gosh, I feel like we could go on and tease out the elements of fear because uh, the fear of the person beside you is different than the person on the other side is different than yours. See, fear is personal. But the question remains, why? And and so as we circle back, I, I just want you to imagine, if you need to close your eyes, just imagine Jesus asking you today, why are you so afraid? Jesus is calling to us today. Within that question is an invitation. He's trying to get us to see the places where fear has pressed out our faith, where fear has taken over and faith has fled, where we have tried to grapple with control. We've tried to pad the future in our favor, and we've essentially said to him, you don't care, you're not trustworthy, I need to deal with this. And Jesus asks in that place today, friends, why? Why? If you were to be honest today, what questions have you been asking the Lord lately? Maybe maybe not verbally. Maybe you just think it from time to time. Do, Do you find yourself asking like the disciples, Jesus, don't you even care? Do you find yourself going, Lord, Lord, can I can I trust you with my future? Lord, Lord, can you really heal? Can you really do something, Lord? Or maybe today you're looking out across your life and you're going, Lord, is this the best you can do? Those questions come so quick and they're so real. You know, we may not verbalize these things or ever uh, really bring them to out, but our response, our reaction, our actions show that they're there. You know, when we fear tomorrow because the news got in our head and and we got to try to go and secure our tomorrow. We got to try to make sure that we have enough provision to get ahead for our family. And now that's where we're communicating, Lord, I I, I got you, but I I need to make sure. That's fear taking over faith. Oh, 
what would it be in your story today? What would it look like today to receive Jesus' invitation to restore faith and cast out fear? What would that look like in your story today? You know, our passage began today by Jesus looking at his disciples and saying, let's go to the other side. Jesus knew what was ahead. He'd been around the Sea of Galilee and knew that storms blew up. But yet he looked at his disciples and said, let's go to the other side. What would it look like today in your story? take him at his word and go to the other side because see Jesus knows the storm that you're in he's right there and he cares more than you can comprehend and he has a greater story he has your story in mind he has your greatest good in mind he has an eternal perspective when he says let's go to the other side trust him put our faith in him will you take his hand today in the middle of that storm that storm of fear and go with him to the other side will you pray with me today Lord we sent you in our boat today Lord, we we probably can't bail water fast enough. But you're present, Lord. Lord, this storm didn't catch you by surprise. And Lord, you still have a story. You still have a plan bigger than this storm that we're journeying through right now, Lord. And Father, we we ask today that that you would forgive us where fear has crept in and pushed our faith out. And Lord, we might not have said it yet, but our actions, our clinging, our grasping has shown that we don't trust you. So God, today we want to restore our faith in you. To put our hand in your hand, Lord, and go to the other side. Go on with your story for our lives. Lord, we want to have faith today. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We love you today, Father. We don't want to go through a storm without you. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.